0: And everybody to the Longhorn Republic, your source for Texas Longhorn news, sports, and opinions, with a little bit of snark built in. We are a podcast of Burn Origination, and you can find more great Texas Longhorn content over at burnorigination.com. If you like what we do, please leave us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts, it helps get the word out there. Share this with your friends where you found it, whether it was Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, anywhere. Where you find fine podcast content, you can find Kyle and myself. Connect with us on social media, at Longhorn Pod on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic. Or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. My name is Gerald Goodridge. I'm your host this week, like I am every week. And I'm joined by a man who's rocking a backwards baseball jersey and a Band-Aid under an eye, Kyle Carpenter. Kyle, how are you? Uh,
1: Hot in, so hot in her... Um no actually the weather has been beautiful in Texas um that's just the the most easy Nelly line to answer that question with I believe um I, I mean god Nelly was such a big deal for me in like middle school to high school so uh very cool as uh not particularly um cool or arbiter of things that are cool friend of the podcast, Eric Verbit texted me should be the most lit pregame. And again, if you know Eric Verbit, you know, if he thinks it's lit by God, you know, it's lit
0: to this day. I still like my like preferred like white neutral, like shoe just to wear is an air force one. And like, I got into that in high school. I was scrubbing those bad boys with the, with a, uh, with a toothbrush, making sure they were clean, switching out the laces when you needed to, to match your outfit. Like, it was a real it was a real thing but like you know i still wear them now i wear them with like dad joggers and a hoodie but it's still air force ones to this day nelly was a tastemaker if nothing else
1: gerald a man who who, who should be a tastemaker and i love danny davis at the statesman but we we, we had a, a, tw- a tweeting exchange with danny for his list of top four do you do you want to give the uh, you can either go deep cuts of nelly's that you love or or uh, just hits that that were were missing from his top four give me your top four what do you i mean what, what are you looking for when you're going to nelly on your playlist
0: oh man that's that is such a tough question uh i think for like if it like gun like shooting from the hip i think my my top nelly songs are probably ei grills mm. mm-hmm. um air force ones and Ooh. that fourth spot it's not that i don't have one it's that i have too many. I'm going to go, this might not be a Nelly song, I might be cheating, but the Where the Party At remix featuring Nelly okay. is is one that I gets a lot of play on the dad music playlist, as I call it.
1: Love that. I thought for a second when you went feature, you were going to throw Kelly Rowland's Dilemma in there, but that's okay. Um, that's one I of mean, my wife's I- favorites. Sure, the, the Nelly and Tim McGraw erasure is obviously very prevalent as well. Um, we'll go sweat over and, that
0: over and over again.
1: Kyle, <laughs> sweat and or suit uh, shaking of tail feathers. Um, what else did we forget? Batter up! Uh, the the wonderful Janae Jefferson's walk up song for four years uh, at UT, which I always thought was delightful. Um, number one, I mean, come on.
0: Two is not what a winner. and Three, nobody be- remembers.
1: That's right. And that's a decent segue into what we're talking about today. Kyle, ride with me
0: to our preview. We're talking about West Virginia. We're talking about Nelly because Nelly, for the second time in like four years or so, uh, is going to be the pregame performer for Longhorn City Limits as Texas... Squares off against the West Virginia Mountaineers. Texas, obviously coming off of a disappointing overtime loss to Texas Tech. West Virginia's riding a little bit of a hot streak. They started the season 0-2, had that. Um, I will just go and say it, probably one of the best Season opening games I've seen from an environment from a pageantry like getting to open officially college football with the backyard brawl and it being that good of a game like we shouldn't get to do that like that should be illegal. Um but they lost that one close. And then the next week, Shocker turned out to not be that shocking in retrospect. A 13-point loss to Kansas because Kansas might be legit big capital G good. Uh, they're riding a two-game win streak, though. They beat Tosin 65-7 to and then got some uh, revenge against Virginia Tech, 33-10. to So um, they're, they're hoping to extend that win streak and get out of the loss column. An 0-2 start for either of these teams in Big 12 play is nothing short of disastrous.
1: Yeah, it's like right. You're right. Retrospect that that uh, Kansas loss it was an overtime as well, right? It was it doesn't look quite as bad um, for for West Virginia, but it is hard to say how how exactly good they are, right? Because the Towson, you know, not a very good FCS team. Palette cleanser. Um, Virginia Tech seems to be not a very good FBS team. Um, so your wins don't necessarily carry a ton of water. Your losses, maybe say that you're pretty good so it's 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 hard to say right we could say that about texas too right your, your losses say you might be pretty good uh, but not great your your, your wins say eh, okay um but uh this will be an interesting one right like you have uh an interesting group of players some west virginia players of years past that you know um some n- names that you know that transfer like jt daniel's a quarterback uh, you obviously know Neil Brown, the coach, has, has been on the hot seat for a bit there. Um, and, and and then you have, you know, Graham Harrell calling the offense. So it's it's an interesting mix of uh, people who are a long time, uh, been on that roster for a while. They still have a stills and, uh, and some new faces. Um, so it'll be it, it's kind of an interesting, interesting combo when you dive down and look at it.
0: As there has to always be a Stark in Winterfell, I feel like there must always be a Stills in Morgantown. Like, that's what (laughs) it feels like. I feel like there's been a Stills since 1904. Like, since... I don't know. Whatever happened in 1904 happened. There's been a stills in Morgantown. It was it was uh, we'll, we'll have another. That's that's another conversation. Um, uh, but you mentioned JT Daniels. JT Daniels um, transfer quarterback is on his, I guess, third landing spot. We'll just we'll just go ahead and call it what it is. Uh, spent some time at the University of Southern California in Irving Irvine right uh, and you may know JT Daniels because uh, he's visited Austin once before took on number nine. University of Texas in 2018, went for 30 for 48 for 322 and an interception in a losing effort, 37 to 14 for his trouble. So uh, that was a whole regime ago, and it feels like it's three whole schools ago for JT. But right now he's throwing it about 33 and a half times a game for 239 yards, seven touchdowns two interceptions the offense overall is averaging about four and a half points per scoring opportunity which is a big big number
1: yeah it's, it's interesting they're, they're not doing a ton through the air they're relatively efficient they have three kind of targets who they like to who he likes to throw to but you know under 240 yards a game it's it's not you know air it out uh too too much but um 9.2 yards average depth of target is is top You know, uh, quarter of the Big Twelve. You wonder in this one, just from what you've seen, if I'm Graham Harrell, if I'm Neil Brown, I am absolutely following the playbook of attacking Texas short until they prove they can stop it. I'm I'm attacking Texas over a soft middle with slants and and uh, kind of competing drags and uh, running little five yard. Curls from where blitzing cornerbacks aren't right, so um, I'm I'm just getting the ball quickly out of players' hands and into receivers' hands uh, if I'm West Virginia. But we'll see. That hasn't necessarily been their mo. They have a, a couple big uh, targets in Bryce Ford Wheaton, a six three two twenty four big jump baller. Um, he's he's their best receiver, but again, they haven't thrown the ball a ton. He looked good in that pit game. But his last two games, he's seven for seventy, no touchdowns. So uh, it's it's interesting to see kind of where they attack. I think I think they will run the ball a bit, but if Texas is able to get some stuffs uh, there, then then they may rely more on the passing game than they have so far this year.
0: And let's just call it what it is. That's like a big if, right? Not only is, like, West Virginia's stuff rate low, like 15%. That's a really solid outing for them. Uh, but C.J. Donaldson is what we would call beefy. Big, beefy men slapping beef, right? 6'3", 240, was a three-star tight end recruit. Never played running back before. And has gone off in some games. Has a big... He was uh, a revelation in a couple of spots against uh, against Pitt in that season opener. Uh, again, he's... he's He's the type of running back that you, I don't even know how to describe his game, but like he will punish you. And he's the type of running back that, you know, if you're on the field for, I don't know, let's say 100 plays in a game, he's going to beat you because he's just going to lean on you and be beefier than you are.
1: Dear God, if they get to triple digits in this one, um, it's bad. It's bad. Um, that should not happen. Um, they don't necessarily run the offense that facilitates that. Um, but we'll. We'll see. That wasn't always the case for Tech either. Um, But, yeah, Donaldson is such an interesting thing. A true freshman uh, was recruited as a tight end, even though he never played tight end. He was just kind of a big-bodied wide receiver, so recruiting sites didn't know how to place him. But then he got there, and they had some injuries, and they said, try him out at running back. And they're like, hey, that guy's big, and he can also move a bit. Like never worked
0: out before moving a guy that hasn't played running back before to running back.
1: Right, right, right. Um, but, you know, it brings up memories of Big Beef Jerky and Henry Melton and some others at, at UT, right? This, the big bodies can can uh, can move a bit and do some things. So it'll be interesting because he is certainly... He is their he'll start sometimes he'll come in a, a bit and be a change of pace because he's bigger but also has a little pop but tony mathis is kind of your more traditional west virginia running back when you think he's a little quick kind of normal sized. they're going to run him inside outside he's he himself has uh, 58 carries for 272 two td so it will be a two-headed uh monster and again it'll just kind of be about what can texas stop and and you know if it if it's the the shifty running back who big 12 has plenty of those then you know they. they stop him then you're going to see a lot of cj donaldson if they you know with texas's size in the interior of the line if they're able to corral him a bit and not really get that big body going um kansas is the only team so far that stopped him he was 13 for 48 against ku and let's hope ut can be at least as good as kansas um uh, you it's know a big you, it's a big ask sure nowadays, Kyle. sure uh, then you might see more uh, Tony Mathis but either way it is a team that you know they have a, a pretty good sized line you're going to see a, a big body running back like we said Bryce Ford Wheaton 63224 even Caden Prather their their number 2 receiver uh 64211 you'll see Sam James the third receiver who who kind of um Gets targets uh, at, at West Virginia, though he, he can be a little bit of their bigger plays, averaging closer to 17 yards to catch. Uh, his normal size, it's or smaller, I guess, regular size, six foot, 176, but they're, they're going to go with two two big bodies and a big body running back and maybe throw some tight ends out there. So you're going to see some beef from this team. They do have some speed, but I think this, this is going to look a little bit like um, a little bit like what we talked about last year that the Big 12 was going to kind of more running a little more size get some tight ends or big body receivers uh in the short yardage uh situation so I I think um almost you think of that as style as Big Ten-esque um but we'll we'll see because again Texas has, has said no no don't don't run that against us run you know 2008 Mike Leach mesh just 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 Dink and dunk us 50 times, and and we'll let you have it. Um, I'm being slightly sarcastic, but yes, it'll be curious. A battle of styles of what they do and what Texas allows and everyone else seems to do. So,
0: Kyle, you said that the the Texas defense won't be on the field for that many plays, but I wanted to ask you this live on the podcast. Oh, no. Um, If you had to guess, West Virginia has converted nine fourth-down attempts this (laughs) year. Where does that rank nationally?
1: Well uh, we know tech has at least six um, nine fourth downs might be in the top 15.
0: Kyle nine that's conversion so nine fourth down conversions number two in the country so you know what <laughs> it might now they they that's nine of ten by the way they're converting nine of their ten fourth down conversion. So mm-hmm. things could get spicy and dicey on that front. Uh, again, that's something to consider and to be concerned about based on what Texas did because Texas Tech has kind of written the playbook on how to beat Texas at this point. It's run those run those short, dink and dunk, nickel and dime, paper cut you to death routes, go for it on fourth down and pray that Texas breaks because apparently they're oh for 1 on that. They broke and the fourth downs cost them. So like that's something that's concerning to me. And I think, again, the question for is going to be for me overall, when we look at this run defense and look at the defense overall is the middle, like is the middle of this run defense going to be soft or are they going to be able to put Tony Mathis on the ground? Are they going to be able to stand up to the battering ram? That is CJ Donaldson, right? Just a little bowling ball running down the field. Like, are they going to be able to stand up to that or is, Is West Virginia going to be able to just spam the inside runs, the inside zones, and run all over Texas? That, to me, is the question. That, to me, is the big concern. And I just don't – from what I've seen, I'm not super hopeful that those tendencies are going to break for Texas.
1: Yeah, I mean, they're also – Closer to where Tech was last week, thirty-three point four three, or thirty-three minutes and forty-three seconds, rather time of possession so far this season. So um, maybe maybe I, I misspoke that they weren't going to be able to do that. I certainly pray that Texas defense will not allow someone to do that to just extend fourth downs. But if you're Neil Brown, why don't you? Right? Why 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 don't you go for it uh, until the Texas defense makes a few more? uh a few more stops right like you you have to prove that a team shouldn't do that to you um before i guess before uh, they stop doing it to you that seems so crazy i guess it's the era of analytics and that's just something we'll have to live with um the way to stop that is to keep them in third and longs and not give up plays on on third down right texas sometimes at tech in third and longs and then gave up large plays which made it very easy to think about going forward on fourth um but yeah, I, I I mean that 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 is a bit concerning. Um, it'll it'll rely on some efficiency, I think, from from that offense from their from their passing game. Uh, they throw it under seventy percent now. Um, you know they do have big receivers, like I said. So if you're in third and fives, uh, I'm sure they like their matchup. And again, against Texas's defense, under pass defense under six yards, uh, I would like that too. So. Texas is going to have to change something, change that narrative, and, and, you know, for all intents and purposes, uh, step up. And we'll
0: have to see. Again, if Texas can't step up against West Virginia, then this could be a very, very long season for them. But again, this could also be a get right game for them. We've talked about it before. Could this be a get right game for them? They're back home. They're back in the friendly confines. Hopefully the crowd is rowdy and raucous after that Nelly concert. Like that there's an opportunity <laughs> for Texas to change the narrative both about their team overall and the defense. If you can come out and play solid defense, play good defense, don't let West Virginia just punk you up and down the field on fourth downs and on third and 73s, give up, you know, pass interferences. By the way, on a third and longer than 15, pass interference it should not be an automatic first down. That's just my own thoughts and feelings on the fact. But, like, that is an opportunity that Texas has to shift the narrative. Uh, and and they could do that going into OU, and, you know, you're right back into things.
1: Can I just offer one brief caveat, Gerald? Of their nine conversions, they did go for it and convert all five against Towson. Um, so it's, it's basically a little over one a game against Kansas, uh, Pitt, and... Um, Virginia Tech. So I I still think if I'm a team after watching Joey Maguire, I still am going for it. I I am. (laughs) I'm. Yeah. I'm not going to stop. What
0: What have we seen in the last few weeks that have told that has told you that Texas is better than than Towson at the Towson at this point?
1: (laughs) No, no, no. I I agree. I'm. I'm not saying that that's not. I'm just in case any listener was coming in feeling pretty good about this game, like Texas should get right, and then heard that stat and is now having cold sweats. The next, you know, uh, you'll hear this on Thursday. I guess the next two sleeps, three sleeps that you have before the game, just know if Texas can be. Closer to Kansas than Towson, then hopefully this should be uh, shouldn't be quite as nightmarish as what we witnessed uh, in the fourth down department, at least in the long drive department last week.
0: Kyle, I just don't know if I'm ready to love again, but maybe I will be depending on Saturday. So looking at the West Virginia defense on the Texas offense. Um, as as good as their offense is with their points per opportunity, four and a half points per opportunity, their defense has given up 4.2 points per opportunity, which is a high high number. Their front seven doesn't create a whole lot of havoc, 10%. Uh, but they do have again three guys that are at, that have more than three sacks per game again se- or three tackles for loss per game, uh, which is again is floated by a a absolute beating of Towson or Towson. How is we've been back and forth on it. I don't know how it's properly pronounced, but that terrible school that they beat by 50 points. Points. I think the big question for this, and it's hard to talk about the – ma- Towson. Google says Towson. Towson. Yeah. Towson hmm. will get it right. Probably not. It's fine. It doesn't matter. We're halfway through this anyways. But Towson, um, again, it's hard for me to talk about who or what the offensive performance is going to be without knowing who the quarterback is. And there's been reporting that you know, Quinn Ewers and uh, Hudson Card are – have been splitting reps 50-50 at the, at the quarterback spot in practice this week, which is a good sign, right? You're not going to give uh, Ewers more reps if he's not trying to compete and get back on the field. So, like, that is a positive. But I'm going to say this, and people are – is probably going to be controversial, but whatever, I don't care. Um, Hudson Card played good enough for Texas to win against – Texas Tech and so like while I it's hard for me to do a full preview of the offense I don't think that the quarterback is going to be that big of a differentiator in this game I just don't I don't think that that again Hudson Card against Alabama with one good leg uh, definitely against UTSA and against Texas Tech he wasn't perfect in any of those games don't hear me saying that don't hear me saying that Hudson Card was perfect or that he did everything right or he didn't miss wide open Gunner Helm on several occasions but when push comes to shove he played well enough for texas to have a chance to win that game and if uh, the other units let's just go and put it out there on front street if other units on the team pulled their weight we'd be having a completely different conversation about the quarterback position and how much it matters
1: yeah yeah i mean right one one pass if he's a little bit quicker or you know it gets ruled that the whittington ended up making a great catch maybe you're talking about a game that. Ooh that was a close one to get out and it's a completely different narrative right I mean it's when you lose a lead like that it's not just on the quarterback truly um I think offensive line needs to needs to block better I think our our defense needs to play better but you know if it's card or if it's if it's yours I do also want the quarterback to to make bigger plays right I mean we're a fan base that don't forget uh nitpicked junior and senior year Sam Ellinger to death right like you know it's it's we almost still for
0: that what we were criticizing <laughs>
1: Correct. It's almost impossible uh, to you know unless you're like Colt McCoy's senior season and you're just going to complete seventy eight percent of your passes and not have a lot of turnovers and and scramble perfectly at the right time. Like Colt was almost a perfect college quarterback. Vince was probably the perfect college quarterback. Like unless you live up to that standard, this fan base will absolutely um, pick you apart, and that's tough. Um, and but it's fair, right? We we've had that. We expect it. But I don't know if you were just coming back this week somewhat percent healthy that you're going to get perfect play out of your freshman um you know looking to to get back in the in the flow of things and I don't know that you're going to get perfect play from a whatever percentage healthy uh your sophomore um third year quarterback who is who is you know good but but has flaws that we know right um and so um I, I hope it doesn't come back this game does not come down as you said to having to be on the quarterback whether we win or we lose making you know six or seven really elite throws in crucial times and and you know has to hit all of them right like i don't want a drive where you have to hit five straight throws to kick a field goal to get overtime or to, to win it or whatever like let's not even get there right you know there is a game plan here against that defense um, where, where you don't have to and, and we again I'm, I'm, I'm splitting their season in, in two halves right and it does seem West Virginia against very bad teams figured something out they were very good on defense against Towson and Virginia Tech and I don't know that Virginia Tech's offense is, is much better than Towson's and, I, and I'm not trying to be you know crazy yeah, here they're, they're, they're quite bad um, so so really they've played two decent, you know, big 12 level um, teams in Kansas and, and West Virginia, who I think was a little, or excuse me, in a, a, a pit, who was a little, I think, overrated at the beginning of the season, but, you know, is is, is, a, is a fair team. Um, they did it different ways. So West Virginia threw for 300 yards, ran for under 100 um, uh, against the West Virginia defense. And then in the overtime game, right, um, Kansas, who is effectively um a modern with a little bit more throwing and a couple more wrinkles off it version of a triple option is what they run with jalen daniels um they they ran for 200 through for 219 right daniels also of those 200 ran for 85 so um kansas has one single point of failure but um a good one at that right but he he was efficient in his 219 at three touchdowns um 18 for 29 so i i i think if Texas can be balanced and they were perfectly balanced in their play calling, I think even split between pass and run last week, and if they can get both going, um, that will be the big thing. There's still, like you said, a Stills. There's there's Dante Stills who has a team TMI, two and a half sacks, and a couple ta- or three tackles for loss. There's still a Stills in the middle. There's still some size on that defensive line, and so it's gonna be hard to run for Texas between the tackles unless they figure out, you know, a, a tech line that shouldn't have done that to them blew up and crashed runs in the backfield blew up uh the wildcat. blew up inside zone um all of our most of our success came out on the edge if texas can't get that right it's going to be tough because ideally they can they can set some things up by running you know five six yards in the middle maybe break one uh you know Roshan will run over people Bijan will shake through people um and 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 be able to to get into really favorable second and third down positions where Sark can really unload with with the crafty stuff right and not get to the necessity but get to the you know we beat you because we want to so if Texas can establish that running game if they're able to do that then I feel a lot better about card getting to use the play action uh you know whether were these 100 percent or not whoever our outside receiver is getting a chance to run some of those uh those double move routes or or, or to run some kind of downfield crossing rub routes that seem to have worked for us so they're going to need to be complimentary on the offensive side of the ball and set some things up i don't want to have to throw for 400 yards to beat west virginia that's just i don't think it's going to be a recipe for success
0: if Texas has to do that to to win this game, I am curious to see what OU looks like in two weeks. Uh, it might have to be it, it might be a um, less than ideal outing for Texas. But I really I'm like I said I'm more concerned about one like can Steve Sarkeesian figure out how to get in his bag and stay in his bag. And let's just like call it what it is, right? Yep. Like Sark has and the the stats are out there, you can find it. But like Texas has been absolutely abysmal uh with second half leads. And that's inexcusable for any staff, but especially a coaching staff that has what many have would or what we have argued in the past is an incredible, like next level play caller in Steve Sarkeesian. and part of the criticism about Sark coming in from Alabama was that he was a great scripter, but sometimes the in game adjustments weren't quite what they needed to be, and so we're seeing a little bit of that. We've seen a little bit of that, and think we've had been in denial a little bit over these last again, what whatever nine games, whatever it is, the losses that Texas has had, but. That, to me, is the more important thing. I think it's a, this is a Steve Sarkeesian game. Is Steve mm. Sarkisian going to be able to scheme and call, or is he going to have those tells? Is he going to get out-schemed by a coach who probably, is he going to get out-schemed? Again, because that's happened now. It happened at Texas Tech. Is that going to happen again? Texas Tech seemed to have the Wildcats sniffed out. Steve Sarkeesian ran it one time too many at least Are they going to do something different? Is Texas going to find a way to compensate for the soft inside of that offensive line? Is Devon Campbell going to get some plays? DJ Campbell going to finally get his starting spot? We don't know that yet, but like those are the questions I want to see answered. Those are questions that Texas has to answer if they're going to have any shot of playing in Arlington, which is their goal for the year still, right? Technically, that goal is still alive. One loss, you can still control your destiny in the Big 12 uh, in a major way because, let's just face it, like the Big 12 is going to have a, at least one one-loss team in the conference championship game. So like, there's an opportunity if Texas can figure it out and win out to still play in Arlington. But there seems to be a lot left to figure out, and it's the same stuff we saw a year ago.
1: Yeah, I mean, we've talked about it before. No team in the Big 12 is, is really exceptionally elite good, but, but almost every team— is pretty good right like there were years i remember when we were in school where you know you maybe had uh two a year three a year games that made you even sweat a little bit right you went out and just beat people by 30 points a lot um it's not that big 12 right this is um a bunch of good teams that can beat anyone west virginia i, I don't put them in the top half but I, i'm not going to sit here and pretend like they couldn't get us right like they you know if you, if you don't if you don't kill them, you know, you let them hang around, you do whatever, you get a tech situation, right? I wouldn't have thought that tech would, would have done what they did, but they did. Um, so, you know, uh, Texas is back at home. I like that. Um, we'll really find out Again, like you said, two weeks when we go to a neutral site, but again, away from home and play OU. But um, yeah, there's there's a bunch of teams that are that are pretty good. I think every game this year is going to be inside 14 points, probably most of them, if not all of them, inside 10 points for the majority of the game there. Big 12 is going to be close all over for Texas and for every team this year. So um, in that sense, you have to show up. You can't have your one you prepare for and the two you try to coast by. You have to show up every week. And so we'll find out. Texas had some really awful taste in their mouth uh, for this one, right? Get up for Alabama, not so worried about UTSA. A little scary in the beginning, come back down, um, and then you know see a little bit of 2021. Not able to finish in the second half against Tech. Um, how do they respond to that, right? Like. It, if they get up early on, on West Virginia, that wouldn't surprise me. But it would also scare me because getting up early is the most dangerous thing we've seen uh, in this iteration of Texas football. So um, I will be chomping my, my fingernails if we get up big early. Um, you know, a good crockpotting game would be nice, right? Just just take your time, use your superior talent, have your big players execute, have some big plays go off, take care of the football, play better defense, and you, you get a UTSA type of game. And I would be perfectly Happy with that.
0: So, on the special teams side of things, uh, they've had to punt the ball just twice over the last two games, again, based on the level of competition that they've played. Uh, kickoffs, they put a lot in play. They only have, they have 13 touchbacks on 32 kickoff attempts. So, there's an opportunity there, I think, for Texas and some of its playmakers to maybe spark something. Uh, like we mentioned already, 9 of 10 on fourth downs. They rank uh, second nationally in th- uh, fourth down conversions. Uh, 49.15 49. conversion percentage on... Third downs and giving up just forty one percent of their um, third down conversions. Eleven of their 21 third down conversions came against Kansas.
1: Yeah, um, and, and six of their nine punts came against Pitt. So it's it's interesting, right? Like I, I don't feel like we have good data consistently on what this team will be, but I hope that they don't go for it on for, fourth down for the other reason of I don't not, I do not want them to deny us of the punter showdown. Um, like an Iowa football game or the glory years of Mike Dixon. This one has a marquee matchup. It is Machete versus uh, the Straw. Aussie Ali Straw is the punter. So Machete versus Straw. Um, it, I mean, it's, it's, it's a national uh, game of intrigue if, if it turns into a, a punter's fest. So hopefully they're not just going forward on fourth downs on both sides so that we can we can see some punt work.
0: Who doesn't love a good punter's duel? Kyle, that brings us to... The most exciting segment of our preview shows, Podstradamus. Just to let you know, we are still currently tied at four-ish to four. We'll call it four-ish until we've cemented whether or not Kyle's going to let me keep that one point. But four-ish to four. Kyle, what is your first Podstradamus pick of
1: the week? So I, the, there was a lot of talk this week about the Wildcat you know, being a bit... Ineffective. I think there was a tweet that said outside of UTSA, right? Um, I think it's something like six wildcat instances for 12 yards or something like that. It's it's not um, hasn't been wildly successful outside of UTSA, where there were some really big plays off it. I don't think they have to go back to the wildcat. If they do, I hope they offer other wrinkles. Surely, Um, but I do think you have to get both of those running backs involved. And so I'm predicting that between Bijan Robinson and Roshan Johnson, you have 150 you know what, Gerald, I'll be nice to you. 160 combined yards between the two of them, total offense. So I think both of those guys, you want to get involved. You want running, you want in the passing game. I'd love to see some two-back sets. I just think, you know, depending as we have some guys uh, nicked up uh, across the, uh, the the skill positions, um, lean on, you know, your, your, your most talented room. And if your offensive line uh, can do anything, I think I should be safe on this one. But 160 yards for RB1 and 2
0: I'll let you have that one. Uh, so, I my Podstradamus prediction is that I am. A, I believe that two different or that two feels too conservative. It's similar to 160 total yards for two players. Feels pretty pretty conservative. Uh, I'll go ahead and say that uh, two different Texas Longhorns have receiving touchdowns in the game.
1: Um, we have it documented in book two different uh, players could be running backs could be tight ends uh will have uh receiving touchdowns um for me looking at the other side of the ball we talked about it we had the the fumble to seal the game obviously not you know ready Ready to get that one out of the out of the lexicon and out of the brain, um, but we also had the interception earlier in the game, the first turnover since the first drive of the season. I think Texas will win the turnover battle in this game. I think West Virginia um, hasn't turned it over a a ton this year um they do have a couple uh fumbles that haven't been recovered uh so if if, you know if that plays in my favor and i think texas is going to stress ball control this week so uh if texas can get on one of the fumbles maybe um you know jump a route uh, whatever it is i think they will uh win the turnover battle this week
0: okay i like it so My, I'm, I'm going to, uh, this is probably going to be the one that loses me the year, but it's fine. It is what it is. Um, Kyle, when, when West Virginia played, we we decided it was Towson. Um, do you know how their seven points were scored?
1: (laughs) No, I don't actually.
0: Towson's only score of the game came on a kick return touchdown. So I Ooh. am going to say, and I, I seeded this in there earlier, but I think that Texas is going to have a return touchdown in this game. Maybe kick, maybe punt. I think Texas going to have a return touchdown in this game.
1: I like it, Gerald. I like uh, – you may have gone conservative on your first, but you're, you're coming out guns blazing here, not just non-offensive. You're saying this will be a special teams touchdown special return teams for touchdown. Texas. Yep. I love it. I love it. That's uh, – I would love for all four of those things to happen. I think if they do, you're talking a win right there.
0: I would say not just a win, but a big win for the good guys. So we will be back on Saturday post-game live stream in your Twitter feeds and on your Facebook live as well. We'll post that on the podcast feed. Then we'll be back on Tuesday with our full breakdown.
1: All right, Gerald. We have a good amount to get through in our next segment. So let's take a look at the world through some burnt orange lenses started off i love recruiting news i love recruiting news that isn't just focused on football yeah, that's buddy. right five stars come to the 40 acres no matter your sport and women's basketball five-star wing madison booker commits to texas over duke and tennessee welcome madison this broke wednesday when we're recording this and it's big news
0: and and where is she from again kyle
1: Oh, that would be the top player from the state of Mississippi. Ooh. Vic Schaefer just just uh, breaking hearts all over again uh, in, in the state of Mississippi as he takes uh, the number 15 player in the country. Number one, obviously, in the state of Mississippi.
0: They, they may not let him back in the state if he keeps doing that, Kyle, but um, that's big... Uh, For Texas, again, she's the top-rated player now in that 2023 class. It's already a pretty uh, solid class. Uh, Giselle Maul and Abby Boutier is what we're going with. Uh, Maul is actually going to be enrolling early, uh, not to play but to rehab. She's got a knee injury. And, uh, I mean, this is no shot at uh, high school athletic trainers. They do an incredible job and do incredible work. But if you've got the opportunity to go and get collegiate rehab and collegiate athletic training, why not?
1: Yeah, uh... Absolutely, I think Maul is a, is a really great player. One of the one of the great high school uh, Texas high school players of the past few years for sure. Hope she gets healthy because I think that's a it's a great class adding on to what was already a really great class and some freshmen who contributed early on last year. Um, so just adding to the pipeline, which I love. Also, Vic's been hitting the transfer portal, so really good. Uh, just addition of talent on the 40 with a player who's played for the USA U17 in five star Madison Booker. I just want to remind you, Joe. When you talk about that class that she joined the twenty twenty three class, do you remember how tall Abby B is? Uh, she's like, what, six four? <laughs> those are rookie numbers, as Matthew McConaughey would say. You gotta you gotta uh, bump those numbers up. Six nine. Oh, she's what? six foot nine. I don't know, maybe she has grown, but according to her own Twitter bio, uh, she is six foot nine. Um, which is amazing I, I knew uh, she was
0: tall I knew, but like she like this is not meant to be reductive she like she could like start like she could probably log minutes on the men's team with that size
1: I, I mean yeah I was gonna say I don't know that the men's team she may be the tallest basketball player on campus I don't know Period. that the men's team <laughs> has a six nine player I'd have to double check if they do I don't think they have one over nine. um so keeping it women's basketball for a moment uh, they also announced an exhibition on October 30th hosting DePaul all proceeds from that will go uh, to the Uvalde CISD moving forward foundation which I think is awesome again Vic just is a steward of the whole state of Texas that's a big point for him and I love that they're doing this uh, and also will be the first women's game in uh, the new Moody Arena which I saw when I was on campus a couple weeks ago and it's, it's truly truly gorgeous but uh, this will be an interesting one cuz Rory Harmon and Ilea Moore obviously some of the best sophomores in the country but Anisha Moro on on DePaul is you know if there was a sophomore all-american team the way there's a freshman that that probably all three of those uh would be on there. And then sonia Morris getting
0: to face uh, her old team she transferred in uh from DePaul so that'll be uh, nice to see and Kyle we're like a month away from women's basketball. Who's who's excited?
1: no that's that's exactly yeah that's correct we are T minus 31 days I think so it is uh it is very exciting uh, when you're listening to this is 31 very exciting um times and actually T minus 30 from basketball generally because men's basketball also announced an exhibition the day before on October 29th hosting Arkansas an old southwest conference rival Eric Musselman's got that team playing well they should be a top 10 team this season coming off an elite 8 run last year um that's going to be a good one. I mean, that's back to back really good nights, but I mean, you're talking about two teams that fancy themselves Sweet 16, at least, talent levels um, coming in in, in, in uh, Arkansas and, and, and Texas should be, I mean, should be fireworks.
0: Yeah, it's going to be a good game. And and again, this is the kind of game that Texas needs to get up for uh, and really um, play. This could kind of be a portent for what the rest of the season is and and kind of give us a a look into what Texas might be uh, as they try to make another run.
1: Absolutely. Softball uh, announcing after last week, they announced the assistant coach. They also announced a couple new faces new air quotes faces uh on the staff some familiar faces if you've been paying attention molly jacobson a 2021 uh pitcher and and grad as well uh, as a volunteer assistant as well as Haley dolcini joining as a grad assistant she of course needing no introduction after last year's postseason heroics from dolcini so uh, we'll at least know that the hitters will be uh facing some nasty stuff in bp uh with those two on the staff
0: I I love seeing them keep these players around like they're they are the types of of athletes and players that you need to have um, in the bag, especially if they're if that's the field that they're going into and they're working on their graduate degrees at the University of Texas. And like, why not have them out there?
1: Yeah, they're they're they're, they both were uh, were I believe grad transfers both were at least uh, one year transfer portal players. So I think both grad transfers. So fantastic that that environment exists for them and they can stay with the team and keep contributing. Um, Speaking of contributing, Trinity Byers continues to tear up the pitch and earns the big 12 conference and some national honors. Second straight big 12 conference offensive player of the week. Also tabbed top drawer, soccer's national team of the week had a brace against tech just to put things right in the world uh, last week Uh, in, in, Keeping it on the pitch, soccer also got a top 50 commit from Solar SC captain. Of course, that's the uh, the team formerly coached by Derek Missimo, um, and it produced Trinity Byers and Lexi Missimo, and I think six or seven players on the, the team currently. Um, their captain and the first commit in the 2024 class top 50 IMG uh, and top tour soccer player Lola B Foley so um, they were at the game uh, the Alabama game or maybe the UT I think the Alabama game then um, there was a picture with her and two other uh, teammates from solar SC uh, who were all top 50 rated and just uh, Lola posted it with the uh, the caption Longhorns number one recruiting class so uh, excited excited to see if we can keep that solar pipeline going then uh keep getting them commits
0: soccer croutin baby let's keep That's it up right
1: love it uh this is maybe my favorite story of the week Roshan Johnson named semi for the William V Campbell trophy you, you and I have both said it like as good a human as he is a football player and he's a pretty darn good football player so uh very excited for him obviously we, friend of the podcast Sam Acho won this uh a few years ago but uh very excited to see him get recognized just as a as a as a intelligent upstanding young man
0: yes if you don't know it's the uh, artist formerly known as the dratty trophy which is you know he's called the academic heisman or whatever but um the campbell award is very prestigious they've been giving it they've been giving it out for like 30 ish years now um william campbell was a um I think he played and coached at the same time at Columbia or something wild like that back in the day. Anywho, uh, enough of the history lesson. Uh, Roshon Johnson, and this just speaks to something that you and I have talked about Roshon Johnson quite a bit in the past. is like He is the kind of guy that you want on your team, and this is the kind of stuff that NFL teams look for. And so like, not only is he productive back, not only is he a team first guy, but he's like a high character guy. Like, he's he's going to find his way onto an NFL roster. Like This kind of stuff just speaks to that.
1: Absolutely, I uh, yeah, a guy everyone will be rooting for. Another just if it wasn't that one, this is my favorite. Uh, Bryce Elder completes the first nine inning complete game shutout by Atlanta Brave rookie since nineteen ninety. He started the day at the White House since they were playing the National. So just an incredible day all around for him. Um, this is the thirteenth MLB shutout this year, and just want to point this out in his four starts since he got called back up from the majors, Elder has posted a point six six. ERA, .85 whip with 28 Ks over 28 innings. That's like prime Pedro numbers. Um, Really excited, and he has an incredible beard that I hope he takes with him into the playoffs. Jordan Spieth and Scotty Scheffler win the President's Cup, and then today it came out that Jordan Spieth Family Foundation also announced a $500,000 gift to the Children's Health Plano Campus, the largest gift in the foundation's history. I mean, that's just incredible stuff.
0: Good people, good golf, love to see it.
1: NFL I'll yeah I'll I'll let you vote Gerald and then I will uh I will vote uh who was your NFL Longhorn of the week
0: uh Devin Duvernay won me some fantasy games so let's go with that one he was my flex in a couple spots I needed a few points he got me the points I needed
1: he has not played an NFL game this year without a touchdown, two catches, 25 yards and a touchdown, two punt returns for 55 yards. This we're, we are witnessing folks, a Dove breakout game. Jeff Swam also had a touchdown. So that's exciting. I'm surprised you didn't go. Brandon Jones getting nine tackles, one PBU, um, selfishly, I want to say Justin Tucker, just so I can say the stat. He became the, the third kicker in history to hit 50 from 50. Uh, he had a 56-yarder, and it was his 50th over 50 yards, which is wild. And then uh, I'm going to go ahead and give it, though, to Jordan Hicks. 14 tackles, one League pass number. breakup. He gets better with age, man. He's like a fine wine, Jordan Hicks. All right, Gerald, um, let's take it home now with a little godzilla What have you been watching?
0: Uh, so nothing revolutionary we've been watching – up with with, uh, rings of power. I'm enjoying it. It's getting better, uh, by the, by the episode. Uh, we're staying up with she Hulk. I like it. There are people that don't like it. It's fine. It is what it is. She's just basically green Deadpool. Y'all need to deal with it. Uh, in so many ways. Um, They've dropped a new Star Wars show on Disney Plus and or I think it's probably the best one they've put out. Like I would put it like up there with the Mandalorian Star Wars nerds. It's fine. Um, But the big revolution from revelation from uh, this last weekend is that I um, I bought myself a video game or two for my birthday a few weeks back and I finally got to dust it off. I've got a switch and over uh, just the kids went to bed early. My wife went to bed early. And so I, I dusted it off and played some Tony Hawk Pro Skater on the Switch. And let me tell you, dropping back in on that nostalgia trip, it, like, feels the same as it did. The, they updated the soundtrack a little bit, which is, uh, I mean, it's it's all the same songs. They just, add, like, the added songs to it. But, like, it just it felt, it felt comforting. It felt like comfort food. It felt like going home and having your mom's pot roast or whatever your mom's favorite meal is. Uh, it was just fun. And it was cool. And it was, gr- like, I could just sit on my couch and play Switch. And I had college football going on in the background. It was, like, a perfect moment for me.
1: That's actually beautiful. I hope I age as gracefully as either Tony Hawk Pro Skater 1 and 2 or Tony Hawk himself, who has very seamlessly gone into just, like, Gen X goofy twitter dude uh who's lovable and funny and not problematic like i i I like it i like tony hawk and i loved those games as a kid um you said the uh the the green deadpool gerald i watched something with the red the original or i guess the the new original uh the deadpool uh ryan reynolds of course i'm talking about welcome to wrexham Y'all watch this? Are you familiar with this, Gerald? I'm familiar with the
0: concept. We haven't watched it yet. It's one of those that I feel like my wife would like get upset if I started watching without her. Mm. But I also am like, let me just let me just have the conversation and see if I can I can plow through it without her.
1: Yeah, so I, I similarly was gonna watch it on my own and then uh, my wife the sweet thing she is said you know I just want to hang out you watch whatever you want I'll, I'll watch it with you what you pick you know because usually we pick together and, and it's something I think we'll both like but I was like alright we'll watch it and of course it doesn't hurt that you know Ryan Reynolds lovable and handsome as he is uh, is, is the star but the, the, the uh, premise is basically Ryan Reynolds um, in a, a bid to you know uh, promote all of his movies and his aviation gin uh, and uh, his TikTok uh, contract and uh, everything else and uh, co-owner Rob McElhenney, who my wife said, "Who who is Ryan's friend? Who he bought it with?" <laughs> Ryan's, um, <laughs> Ryan's friend. <laughs> but that is Rob McAllenny from It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia and Mythic Quest and other things. Um, you know, is is the uh honestly the, the the brains or the engine behind it as you find out from the show. Um it we're caught up. I don't think it's over. I believe they're still releasing new episodes. we watched like nine of them, though no, they're short. They're good. Um but it's a beautiful, like even even I, I love soccer. I do. My wife, um, not as big a fan, but she loved like the small town charm of it. Like it's a sixty thousand person town. Um you know imagine like if if plano was set out in the middle of nowhere and maybe actually Plano's too big. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, anyways, was set in the middle of nowhere and had a team that happened to have, you know, 200 years of history in the oldest international uh, stadium still in use today. Like, has all this great history, um, but is in, like, the, you know, fifth division. Um, so they, they, they bought this team, and it's kind of, you know, there's been a few of these types of shows about can they get the promotion, they dramatized the games. Give you the behind the scenes it's it's interesting and and they are very charming and they talk a lot they try to really shine a light on on welsh culture and the the community aspect and you know it's just very small town and these it means so much to these people that like why are famous people in our little town like not even you know in the 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 tourist part of of wales like what why are we here why is ryan reynolds debuting what was a terrible movie, I can't remember the right guy or something, this movie in Wrexham, Wales, because you know, it's they now get to be something and they, they're like beaming with pride, but it's interesting I, I like it very much, I'd recommend it um, if you like that, it, it obviously is a PR gimmick and stunt the, the documentary is a part of the money making apparatus for this purchase so, you know, do with that what you will um, but it, it's feel good, not because of the two owners, but because of the people right, these sweet Welsh people who are honestly just so proud, like I always said this, Gerald, and I know this will hit close to your heart. When I went to Barbados for my honeymoon, I had never seen a group of people where every single person that you met was a like national ambassador, right? Like everyone from Barbados is so proud of Barbados wants to tell you every, everyone's a tour guide. Like, oh, you should go here, do this, do like Everyone is so proud and happy and like no one is upset that you're visiting their country they think it's the greatest thing ever uh and i get that same vibe from at least the the folks in wrexham uh that, that welsh people are very much the same level of pride uh and so I, for that if nothing else i think it's uh it's a beautiful little little documentary about uh united kingdom non-england small uh country towns that have uh that have made their way through as industry collapsed and uh Brought in Hollywood.
0: Every barber, every Bayesian is an amateur historian. They all might tell you different <laughs> history. They all might get the facts <laughs> different. Uh, but they all fancy themselves uh, amateur historians. And that's all we've got for you this week. Kyle, where can the good folks find you on the internet?
1: Oh, you can follow me on Twitter at Kyle Carpenter. You can also follow the Texas Pregamer at Texas Pregamer. You can follow me on
0: Twitter. I am at G.H. Goodrich. Follow the show on Twitter at... Longhorn Pod, Facebook and Instagram, the Longhorn Republic, or shoot us an email, LonghornRepublicPod at gmail.com. Thank you so much for tuning in again this week. Remember, we'll be back on Saturday with our post-game live reaction and then again on Tuesday for our uh, full game analysis. Until then, hook'em.
1: R.I.P. Coolio, come along and ride on a fantastic voyage. Slide, slide, slippery slide, hook'em.